Got time for a quick story. There are sometimes the sons and daughters of well-known musicians get their own careers going in whatever field. Sometimes they choose the same field as one of their parents, or in some cases, both of their parents, if both of their parents are well-known musicians. That is one of the coolest things in following music, when someone takes that same career path. Even if the music doesn't match the same music that their parent or parents do, the mere fact that they're also involved is... It is a it is a it, it's a great thing to observe to watch their own musical evolution to watch their creativity come out to watch them make their imprint on art. And we've seen that with well, you could say Wilson Phillips is one of the more prominent examples. Jacob Dylan with the Wallflowers. Phil Collins is one of my favorite acts of all time, and his well, he's got two sons who have gotten involved with music, one of whom is drumming for him now. Now that Phil Collins is not really able to drum like he used to, his son's taking care of the drumming. Sounds just like him. Lily Winwood, the daughter of Steve Winwood, has a musical career going, and she has a new album coming out. It is her first full album. The album is called Time Well Spent, and I'm talking to her in this interview. January 29th, 2021 is the release date for Time Well Spent. Today, and boy, am I ready. And honestly, it, it took a few tries to kind of get the videos to where there wasn't like an airplane or just birds or like a dog barking. So... It definitely took the whole day to record all of the songs and we just had like a little mic that we ran through um, this interface into our computer and it just sounded really great. So, yeah, um, you can, that being said, like in the recordings, you can definitely hear some background noise <laughs> that was pretty unavoidable. Yeah, there was one point where I heard a jet going overhead where I went, OK, this really is like you're outside just hanging out and well. Okay, I guess that's there, but it, it doesn't interfere with it. Like I said, it sounds like it's in a studio. I'm curious, how similar are those versions compared to what we're going to hear on the actual recorded output on, on the actual album? They're pretty different. Um, I mean, they're definitely similar, like, in terms of, like, you know, chords and the way, like, I don't know the melody of the song is, but um, the the record has a lot more of a fuller band vibe. I wanted these videos to be very stripped down and acoustic to kind of um, more or less like let listeners get a sense of like what the song is about and kind of get more familiar with the lyrics of the song. Mm. Um, just more of like an introduction. I'm, I was sensing somewhat of a lyrical theme in these songs, but, but obviously don't want to judge or evaluate until you hear the whole project and, and hearing all of that. Was there any sort of particular theme for the time well spent songs as opposed to your prior writings, Woman on Silver Stage? Um, no. Um, a lot of these songs are... Uh have been written over the course of like five years. And um, I think 
I'd say if there was any sort of underlying theme, it would be coming of age. Um, there's a lot of talk about like heartbreak, um, running away, um, you know, kind of coming to terms with things that you may or may not have been to terms with in the past. And, um, and then the song, the record sums up uh, at the very end, the 11th track on the album's called You'll Know Where to Find Me. And that kind of talks about how I've like retired, you know, my, my adolescent ways, if you will. So I think, yeah, if there's any sort of underlying theme, it would be sort of like travel and coming of age, sort of crossing the threshold and coming back to the beginning, having learned a lot. Right. Um, how do you write songs? What's the what's the process of coming up with lyrics or music in order? How does that all go? Oh man, it's I have, <laughs> I have no specific process. I have no um, yeah. It, it, songs could sometimes take me five minutes to write. Songs could sometimes take me two years. Um, but it all starts with an idea, whether it be like a melody or a lyric, and then sometimes I'll just get flowing um, and get really into it, or it'll be something that I have to kind of perfect and it'll take me a while to come back to the song and go through it and maybe add a different melody or um, different lyrics. So there really is no specific process for me. How many songs have you written in your life? Uncountable. <laughs> uh, too many. <laughs> Yeah, I remember talking to um, C.J. Solar, um, country artist, and he was—he happened to be here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, because we have a, a country station in my building. I mean, literally out the window where I'm pointing is our is our big country station. He happened to be by, and I just happened to interview him. His main thing is songwriting, and he said, "Like, oh, I've written like a few thousand songs." I'm like, wow, that's that's a lot. But I mean, I, I have to imagine that's kind of if, if you're a songwriter, that's kind of more par for the course that they're going to keep piling up and piling up. So how do you determine the right ones to release to, well, literally to the public? I think it's definitely up to the artist. Um, I know for me that I had certain piles of songs that I would play in public. Um, and I guess I sort of chose what um, got the best reception um, as well as sitting down with my producer for this record and playing him uh, the few songs that I thought were good and then kind of sitting down and talking with him what we thought would fit and then again like yeah seeing what might all go under one umbrella in terms of theme um, so there's a lot of factors that come into deciding what goes onto a record um, what what are some of the things you have learned about the craft of songwriting and arranging as you as you've gone through this process of putting together a commercial album release I and mean, i mean that that's a pretty big thing to, to finally do that and get it to the point where it's getting interviews across the country what and performing around the country what what have you learned like what what are some tips that, that you get as it goes along is for someone being relatively earlier in their career i'm fascinated by how this process is developing yeah, um, I think one thing that I've learned is that things aren't always going to be perfect. 
um, things aren't always necessarily going to fall into place the, the way you want them to. But um, as long as you try your best, and at the end of the day, as long as you are happy with the product that you are selling to people and happy with the songs, then that's okay. There's two states uh, among among the songs thus far, California and Indiana. Why those states? In particular, um, what 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 drew you to come up with the storylines that led to led to those? Right. Um, so I had been doing a lot of traveling. I've been touring since I was sixteen years old, um, and I actually I have, I have a number of songs that are named after states because I think I I sort of picture times in my life and relate certain stories to certain areas um and particularly california and indiana those states um i have a lot of history with and um if you listen to those songs a bit deeper um california i have a very sort of positive experience with indiana i have a sort of very negative experience with mm-hmm. um and yeah i think just those states in particular, uh, particular, I've um, kind of been back and forth with and had um, a stronger story to talk about. A few more records, essentially the promoted single, it's got the video out as of a few weeks ago. Like the video, um, wh- why did that one in particular warrant getting kind of the promotional push? What was that? What Was it you? Was it, was, was it someone else that said, hey, promote this one first off i mean it's catchy as heck it's like i said i like the video what made that one be the standout come album release time yeah um so a few more records honestly really stood out to me as a single on the record just because of its sort of upbeat feel and i think it kind of really gets people's toes tapping and i think it a listener were to like that song, then they might kind of want to delve in, see what else we've got going on. So I, I think it's a very enticing song. So <laughs> there's a one, there's at one point in the video where the camera is set across from the pathway you're sitting. And I think I saw a few people just walking by. Was that literally like people just kind of doing their thing, walking by and they ended up in a music video without realizing it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> literally just exactly. Yeah. Um, we filmed it down at Shelby Bottoms. It's just a, it's a city park uh, right down here in East Nashville. Um, and Stacey Huckabar, who um, produced it and filmed it, she, you know, I'd be sat there kind of mouthing the words and it was so awkward to me. <laughs> uh, like pretending to sing in front of all these strangers. And she was just like, no, go on. And she, she made me feel really comfortable about it. And I think people were walking by and they didn't know whether to like stay back or whether to get in the shot or not. So she she was really good at letting people know, like, no, it's fine. The more people, the better. Come on by. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a nice effect in, in in there. Ultimately, I mean, it it, I, it almost reminded me of a, of a pathway here in western Wisconsin. I'm like, oh yeah, I totally could have seen just shooting a music video there. But I mean, I that. I've always wondered about that when I see videos from other artists and they shoot it out in public, they're walking down a street like, are these people extras or do they realize what they're going into here? It's going to yeah. end up on, well, I mean, in the old days of BMTV, nowadays it'd be YouTube, 
But really, that's it's slice of life, and that's just kind of what happens, and you got to lip sync your way through it. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. What What is okay? I'm going to ask the 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 one of the tougher questions to ask an artist when they have a new album come out because all the songs are ostensibly your babies. So which one's your favorite? It changes every day. <laughs> a lot of them I'm kind of teetering on getting sick of because I <laughs> haven't sat on these songs for so long. But I'd say right now, um, One Big Sky is um, my favorite. I think it it's a very good uh, summary of the song. I'm also just like really um, summary of the record, but I'm also just really happy with like the production on that particular song um, and the instrumentation. Speaking of instrumentation, who are the instrumentalists on the on this uh, project? Give us a little bit of a intro on who we're going to hear and how you hooked up with them to be on this project. Oh my gosh. Uh, I like could not be more proud of this band. It's like my my dream band. Um, so on drums you have John Radford. On guitars you have Laura Hermits, and then you have Robbie Crowell on keys and actually saxophone. He plays saxophone on um, one of the tracks, Nameless. And then you have Joe Andrews on pedal steel and mandolin and kind of doing some utility stuff. And then you have Larissa Maestro on cello. And then you have um, Alex Munoz, who helped produce the record, also just doing like a few guitar bits. And they're all just like such fantastic players. Oh, and Kevin Black on bass. Um, but yeah, I could not be more happy with how it turned out. I was always so nervous to be in a room with all of them, but that is awesome. So how how do you find that those particular ones being in a, I mean Nashville's obviously it's the reputation as being this mecca for anyone who wants to be involved with music. I mean heck again to relate back to here in Eau Claire and that country station, one of my former co-workers went to Nashville to get involved in the music scene. Actually, twice, <laughs> this came to mind, another one did. And that's from up here in Eau Claire. They go down there. It's such a, so many, there's so much talent down there. I've never, I mean, I've only driven through the city once or twice, so I, I can't relate myself. But how do you make that particular connection to find these people and then to make them or to find the right chemistry just get that right project because obviously I, I can just tell from your reaction you're glowing over how well it all worked out. But how do you find the right ones? Oh man, um, I mean, you certainly have a lot to choose from. Um, great musicians are not sparing here in Nashville. Um, I think honestly, it's trial and error. I guess um, I really have. Alan Thompson, another co-producer. Oh, actually, Alan and Alex both to thank for those particular musicians um, being on this record. They kind of like gave the idea to them and they were up for it. Um, But honestly, I guess a way you can find like the best chemistry with artists is um, I know for me, just being here for so long and these people sort of having a track record of being such great musicians definitely helped. Um, 
but yeah, I think it's just a matter of dipping your toe in and seeing what you can find. How many performances, and this is kind of giving insight to anyone watching this and listening to this, of, of performing in Nashville as an up-and-coming artist who, I mean, who's, of, of all of them out there, there's so, so many. How many performances have you had? How many gigs have you had? And I don't expect you to have like a count at this point, but how many gigs have you had since you started publicly performing around Nashville? And how frequently do you perform? When, when obviously it's safe to do so. <laughs> oh my God. Um, this year? or, or Just in, in general, like uh, maybe I'll rephrase it this way. Like how frequently, and again, not counting, you know, COVID era, cause it's going to be different, but on average, yeah. like how frequently are you performing in Nashville? Um, pre COVID, uh, every weekend, um, every weekend I'd have a show either in Nashville or around Nashville. And I'm, I was lucky enough to have been, you know, on a, on a few tours last year and had a few lined up before COVID. So pretty frequently. Um, actually, one thing, um, it's it's bizarre playing in Nashville. Um, I think a lot of venues, and I don't want to like um, put anybody down or speak negatively about anybody, but I think a lot of venues kind of see it as um, them doing you a favor rather than the artist doing the venue a favor and bringing the people in. So it's, it's quite hard playing in Nashville sometimes. Really? Um, is, is there an area in like a kind of a, a scene a, a I don't know, a neighborhood, whatever, that seems to be a little bit more particularly artist friendly and not even necessarily like name businesses, but I mean, is there a certain spot like if someone were to go visit and see like okay this is where the creativity is really thriving and you get to see some really good artists where is it around there that's maybe not getting a lot of national attention oh man i'm always gonna be such a supporter of my neighborhood east nashville um there's there's so many little great clubs that people don't know of one in particular the five spot that's always so kind to their artists and they have so many great shows. They've actually been doing um, live streams now that COVID's happening. And I'm always, always going to be such a great, like massive supporter of them. Good. How has that area adapted over this past, my gosh, now we're 10 months into the pandemic really hitting the United States. How have they held up thus far? And what's the, prognosis looking forward before live music really gets going like it traditionally has been yeah well east nashville has been under such a big change recently in march we actually had a factor oh man factor pretty high factor tornado yes yes that's right and tore down a lot of um like really well-known businesses and buildings um and i think it was super cool to see everybody come together as a community um that being said um certain areas where the tornado was um things are getting rebuilt and it's it's brought a lot of change um i think it's too early to say whether it's positive or negative change but all that I can say is that I couldn't be more proud of this area, how it's like come together and been so supportive during 
the last year and Nashville actually had a, a bombing on Christmas Day. Okay. I about that. Mm-hmm. So Na- Nashville's been pretty, pretty targeted over the last year. So um, it's just super positive to see people, um, you know, coming together and helping. By chance, were you in town when, when the bombing happened? I was, yeah. I was at home, um, and I guess it took all of our cell service away. Right. I was like, did I just not pay my phone bill? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, I was, like, so confused why, like, you know, the Wi-Fi and cell service wasn't working. So Christmas Day was filled with lots of board games, (laughs) card games, and Things that do not involve Wi-Fi, which is nice. So. That's good to know we can be adaptable as, as a society without technology if we need it to happen. Right. What other artists have um, have inspired you over the past few years to for the songs on this particular collection? Oh, I always have such trouble with that question because <laughs> I my music taste is nothing like the music that I create. Um, I actually am super into like the uh, indie pop um, or like indie music. I really, my favorite artist in the world is the War on Drugs. Um, I think Adam Granducci is such a genius. But um, I'd say what my record that I'm trying to be most like, I, I wouldn't necessarily say like I had this in mind while making the record, but. Um, some Americana artists that like I really, really respect and their songwriting. Um, I really am a big fan of Brandy Carlisle. Mm. Um, I'm a huge fan of Sheryl Crow. Um, huge fan of Jason Isbell. Mm-hmm. I think Jason Isbell, I remember serves me right. I think he's coming up here. We have uh, the Blue Ox Music Festival every June here in Eau Claire. Yeah. And uh, I believe, if I'm thinking right, I thought, I could be completely wrong, but I think he was just announced as performing there this upcoming June, um, which, was, which was a good get. That's one of the bigger names out there. So, yeah, we're you know presuming we have outdoor concerts by then and all of that happens. Big asterisk on everything. That's right. something we're going to be looking forward to up, up here in Eau Claire. Yeah, I actually saw him. Um, we have down in um, Pelham, Tennessee. They're called The Caverns. It's like these super cool cave shows. But um, he actually did a show there like a couple months ago. Um, and it was it was actually like really fluid. There were of course like COVID guidelines. Um, and they had like little pods that you sat in. And I went with my cousin and they delivered drinks to you and merch to you and like had to wear a mask if you went up and went to the bathroom or something like that. So it's actually like really organized and he sounded fantastic. So it was super cool to be able to go to a show and see live music. Oh, sure. cool. Who would you like to collaborate with on any future project? Um, my dream would be the band Heim. Oh, yes. Um, sisters, I think they are so talented. Every time I hear, like, you know, new release of theirs, or they actually collaborate with a lot of different people. And every time I hear them, I get so excited. So that would be my absolute dream. Very nice. Well, maybe it's a possibility. You got to hopefully so. Hopefully this this spreads around on that. That'd be that'd be really right. cool to have happen. Um, 
any of the music of your father that has influenced you? Any, any, and I mean that not just in recorded or written output, but in his singing approach, his musical talent, which we know it, 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 it's it's really good. What directly influenced you as an artist from him? I mean, yeah, he's. Uh, everything he does is really inspirational. Um, I think we both have a very different songwriting approach. Um, uh, man, it's a tricky one. Um, he, he's a very like diligent and hardworking person. And I think that's very inspirational. What's your favorite song of his or favorite album of his? Um, I really like John Barleycorn Must Die. Mm-hmm. By traffic. I really like the traffic thing. Yeah, there was, a, there was actually a traffic song, and I'm blanking on the name of it, but I just heard it the other day driving back from the Twin Cities and or driving around the Twin Cities, and I'd never heard it before, and I had to be like, Nope, that's that's traffic era Steve Winwood because again his voice obviously changed as, as time went around. Like nope, that that's it. I I I really need to dive more into traffic. I've not heard too much traffic music. I've been familiar with the band for decades, never really got into it. I don't know why. And so I, I think that's going to be one of my next focuses to get more more in into that. Um, you did the collaboration on Higher Love, obviously. W- was there any other song in which you'd like to collaborate? With him, just do do a performance, do another, do a rearrangement, a reimagination of one of his works. I haven't given it any thought. Thankfully, there's a whole lot there to choose from if it if it ever does come around. So the album comes out in two weeks. Uh, what's your plan after it gets released? What's the, kind of the promotional plan to get the word around about this? Um. So definitely a lot of live streams. I don't have any um, particular dates right now. Um, just, yeah, um, like hopefully just getting it out there and, you know, play, play, play. And hopefully when live shows come around again, I'll be able to do those and really like actually in person get the songs out to people. Um, there's talks about shows in June right now, but. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to like bring any bad juju or anything like that. So hopefully all we can do is wish, right? Right. Yeah. We don't want to jinx anything, but maybe we'll be, maybe this will all work out. We can always hope for the best. And in the meantime, we have the recorded output. Time Well Spent is the name of the album. January 29th. We get to listen to it. Lily Winwood, thank you so much for taking a half hour to chat. uh, with us today. This is a really fun chat and all the best going forward with the album release and your and your music. We'll look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Thank you so much, Luke. Have a good one. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Really fun chat there with Lily Winwood. Pay attention to her going down the road. There will be more to come. This is her first full album. Again, time well spent, the one we were we were talking about in, in this interview. You can learn more about her at lilywinwood.org. Lilywinwood.org. That's L-I-L-L-Y, winwood.org. It's on social media as well. Subscribe to her YouTube channel to get uh, new uh, videos as, or get alerts of new videos as soon as they come out. This is the latest edition of Got Time for a Quick Story. Thanks, as always, to Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio. 
in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for providing the facilities to do these interviews. You can also see more of these interviews and listen to more of these interviews on our YouTube channel. You can watch this interview, did did this via Zoom. You can check that out at uh, Greatest Hits 98.1 on YouTube. Also, GreatestHits981.com on the interviews page. You can watch this interview. You can listen to a whole lot of other interviews that I've done and also my coworker John Murphy has done. Also, you can subscribe to Got Time for a Quick Story at a lot of the usual places uh, via Apple and Android, Stitcher, TuneIn, etc., etc. It's in a whole lot of places. Subscribe to it so you can get alerts of new episodes of this show and also I'll rate this preferably higher so the word continues to spread. Got time for a quick story? I'm Luke Anthony.